Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To go to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for this all to blow over? Yeah, yeah, w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. And uh, we got a special one today. We got a one that's doing, um, we're doing new Netflix movies today. And um, we, got a, uh, we got a guest in the house, so you know, we, uh, we're, not, we're not leaving our feet on the table. We're uh, sitting up straight, you know, trying to act like we actually got some home training, even though we don't. We're, we're um, pretending to be professional today. Pretend, pretend to be. We're... we're, we're all show and no go. Connor, how's it going? Good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, I, I've been looking forward to this all week. Same here, man. Same here, man. Um, Connor, as you know, you and I, we know each other from college, you know, fellow cinephiles in film theory class and all that. But um, I wanted to uh, bring you on because you also have a podcast that deals with um, being a movie lover and such. I sure do. Uh, it's called uh, Quarantinema or Quarantinemo. It's that's kind of like one of the ongoing jokes in the show is that we don't really know how to say the name of it. Um, but yeah, so it's you know started. How to spell it. you know <laughs> oh, I know how to spell it. Right? it. Is, so Quarantine M A. So it was supposed to come off like Quarantine Cinema or something like that. But after a couple episodes and trying to explain to people what it was called, I quickly realized like ah, I didn't really pick a good name for this. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it started uh, a little more than a year ago, probably back when uh, COVID first started. And I had, um, you know, I'm sure like most of us cinephiles, we have this big collection of DVDs lying around our home somewhere that you never really, you just have, you don't really watch them that much. Uh, so my collection, yep. I had like 150 something movies in there and they're alphabetized nice and neat, like in this bookcase in my living room. And like once I was just home all the time, I was like, you know what? This this is as good a chance as any to start uh, actually having an excuse to watch these movies. So I just started started watching them, posting reviews on uh you know on my on the podcast that that took about we do about three shows a week for a little less than a year and then yeah so we finished those a few weeks ago and now we're just doing uh just whatever whatever movie I watched that week that's pretty much what I do so we're doing two episodes a week uh, now. And again, that's called Quarantinema. Uh, you can find us on social media at Quarantinema Pod. You All might be the only platforms. cinephile that's managed to get through the entire backlog of movies. I want to say like half of my collection is still sealed, like in the plastic wrap. Probably has a price sticker for like the $30 I spent on it on the day it came out kind of thing. Well, it's funny. is like I started, well, so like I had a few... Like when I was growing up and stuff like that, I just go out and buy ones that I like. But then like when I got to college, that's when I really started uh, collecting them. And then like a year or two out of school, that's when I I finally just caved and got Netflix. And that's when I stopped kind of buying them. So like I've had like I've had them for a while, but they're just like sitting there. But nothing's really been added to it since like 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, But no, it was was awesome. Uh, It was uh, I mean, you know, last year was tough for everybody. So. Uh, it was actually yeah. like kind of therapeutic to just go back and watch a bunch of movies that I hadn't seen in a long time. It was kind of the same thing for me. Like I, once I got used to streaming, I didn't, I used to just buy films. Like, you know, it used to be on a whim, like, okay, $5 movie sale on black Friday at Best Buy. That movie was okay, but I'll buy it anyway. You know, it's $5. Now it's like, I only really buy a movie unless I know I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, like I think I was kind of the same way. I would do like okay, like go to like if if some stores got like a dollar bin or something like that, you just check it out, see what's in there, and even if it's not the best movie, I'd throw it in there. Um, but I think the biggest way I got them was if I figured out that if you go on Amazon, you can buy the DVDs used, and mm-hmm. you can buy them wholesale from places that are just trying to sell. They're trying to get rid of them, so they'll literally right. sell them for a penny, and then shipping was always three ninety nine. 
uh, on Amazon for that stuff. So it always just came out to a $4 movie. Uh, and when you're a broke college kid, that's pretty <laughs> tough to, <laughs> pretty tough to compete uh, with. My, always, my thing was always getting like replacement DVDs. That would be like a blessing from heaven on eBay. Like let's say my lost season three, disc three was all scratched up from, yeah. you know, uh, so many, uh, so many watches from the person I bought it from. I could easily find a replacement on eBay. Um, and plus Blu-ray, I didn't mind if a Blu-ray was used because it's Blu-ray. Right. I would rather take a used Blu-ray than a used DVD. So that was a good thing too um, in those days. Yeah, we had. I I, I kind of had the same thing. Like like there's some of the DVDs they're scratched up and that like they always cut out. Like like some of them I just know what point in the movie it's going to start bugging out on me, <laughs> uh, which I which I was pleasantly reminded of uh, after watching these for the first time in a couple of years. But. Uh, no, I never thought about using them as replacements, though. That's clever. Yeah. Um, so are you, is your show on all streaming platforms? Yep. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever wherever you you can find podcasts, uh, you can find it there. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think you're, aren't you the only podcast with that name? Because I think you just pop right up when I search that. Oh, yeah. It's a really dumb name for a show, so there's not much competition <laughs> out there. <laughs> Assuming you spell it correctly, you got it. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right. All right, so we're going to just jump right into it, uh, doing chronological as always, Brad. Yeah, let's go chronological on this one. So today we are going over Army of the Dead and Gunpowder Milkshake, uh, which are two movies that got moved over to a streaming service, Netflix, versus a theatrical release. So let's start off with Army of the Dead, which I believe released back in around may if i recall correctly yep yeah it was in, it was it was dead on in may all right uh i'll let you take the lead on this man so army of the dead was a Zack snyder film i want to say that they've been working on this one since like uh, the early 2000s as well because uh, he was wanted to do like a heist movie based in a zombie apocalypse. And eventually they finally got the ball rolling on it. Uh, this movie actually had a huge controversy with uh, Chris D'Elia. I think it was Chris D'Elia that was yeah, originally know. as the pilot and then ended up getting replaced by Tig Notaro who is a great comedian. If you've never seen anything by her before, she is a great stand-up comedian. She has a couple specials out there. I want to say some of them are actually on Netflix. So, But the entire movie focuses on a zombie apocalypse that has happened in Las Vegas, and they've completely surrounded the city with shipping containers in order to basically quarantine the entire city. And the idea is uh, a group led by Dave Bautista... And I can't remember what his name is in the movie right now. Just, just Batista. Yeah, it's, it's Batista. Batista. It's it's literally it's, it's Dave Batista playing about. himself. Drex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a team led by him goes in to try and get the remaining money in a bank vault at one of the casinos in Las Vegas before the entire city gets nuked. So that's the entire plot of the uh, in of the movie and. Obviously, the plot already is enough to sink most people into the movie. Something about bank heist, yeah. zombie apocalypse, Las Vegas. It just it it already that's has the workings of Zack Snyder in it. That's just dead on Snyder. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Just dead on Snyder. Like a bank heist, a bank heist in the zombie apocalypse. Just dead on. I'll say this, man. Um, this is what I love. Like we we already saw it with the four hour cut of Justice League, but when Zack Snyder has his creative freedom. And he, you know, he he he's willing to go all in. You get a film like this, and it's just, dude, from the opening, like slow, you know, trademark Snyder slow motion montage. I was just hooked in, like from beginning to end, the yeah. whole way through. Like, um, I love that Viva Las Vegas montage in the beginning. Uh, I felt like it, it was a nice setup for like the kind of like dark comedic tone that was gonna follow for the rest of the movie. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I I really like this, but um, kind of what did you uh, what did you think of this movie? Like first impressions. So I didn't 
it's important to go into a movie like this realize like you can't be expecting too much from this like it's a zombie heist movie from Zack Snyder like yeah, so you have to you have to like realize that's what the movie is. Yeah, you had to go it. in knowing this is going to be a campy movie. It's going to take itself seriously a little bit, but it's a campy yeah. movie. Yeah, and like overall, like I was I was entertained by it. You know, I'll I I, I don't know if it's the kind of thing I'd be dying to ever watch again. But like if it came on somewhere, I mean, I know it's on Netflix, so it's not like it's going to be on cable or anything. But like if it just like pops up somewhere, like yeah, I'll throw it on. It was entertaining enough. Uh, I thought the cast was great. Um, a li- there's the cast was almost a little too big. Um, they because you know you're like so they they already mixed two of my favorite genres of movie, which is zombie movies and heist movies, and es- especially when you throw Las Vegas in there, you like you, they're clearly going for some kind of like Ocean's Eleven thing, but I don't think that they really dove into the characters as much as I would have liked. Really, the only ones that we do get some kind of a background or some information on they they it was it was just a little too little uh, i guess but some uh, you know some of the people uh just absolutely dominated their screen time uh the guy who plays Dieter uh this act i have the imdb page pulled up the uh, the actor's name is Matthias Sch- Schweighofer is the, the the german yeah, guy i couldn't say like, that either <laughs> oh <laughs> Ludwig. Yeah, Matthias S. yeah the uh the the german guy who was uh the, sh- uh, like the, the safe cracker cracking. Yeah. The safe cracker. Yeah. Like he, he was hysterical. Like he, yeah. he absolutely dominated every single scene he was in. Uh, but other than that, every character I felt like was just kind of like, uh, just tough. Like, so, I don't know they're all the, all the characters were really pretty similar. Uh, if you ask me, but I mean, they were still, it was still a fun cast. You know, I love Garrett Dillahunt. I think he's a wildly underrated character actor. Uh, Amari Hardwick's uh, great Theo Rossi juice. From uh, Sons of Anarchy. Why does Juice always get played? Why does he always get cast in evil roles now, man? Like they keep casting Theo in evil roles. I'm like, what really? Is, uh, I, I, honestly, I think this is the first when time the I've ever breaks. seen him outside of uh, Sons of Anarchy. There was another film called When the Bow Breaks. It was like this B, like like erotic thriller movie. He was cast right. as the bad guy in that. But I'm like, I feel like he's been in that ever since Sons. But well, that's just that's just me. Well, even when he uh, joined the team, I guess, kind of, it was like, oh, he's zombie fodder. You you know that he's going to be the first death, and that's why he's being brought in. Because they want to have that first death be the, yeah, he got killed, kind of, you know, happy death. Not the, oh, yeah. no, I like that character. Right. Yeah, like, he's, he kind of found the trope of, like, the... Like the kind of scumbag that you see in the, at the beginning of every horror movie who's yeah. basically just like okay this is what the bad guy is capable of yeah um and so like i was completely fine with that being his purpose in the movie that being said are we doing spoilers on here yeah absolutely oh, yeah. spoilers okay yeah so, yeah, so that being said like i i was pissed that they brought him back like just like kill him off you know let him serve his purpose and then the fact that they brought him back later is just kind of like all right like we don't we don't we don't we really don't need this guy anymore. I gotta say, a death that was pretty effective to me, which the scene right before it is kind of random because out of nowhere we discovered that this woman had a crush on Batista's character, and I'm like, this this wasn't introduced at any yeah. point b- before this scene, but okay. Then right before that, boom, head twisted around. I I, I kind of jumped. I didn't. I kind of jumped a little bit. Like, damn, they killed her off pretty brutal. Well, like, not only that, that but her pretty... spine shot through her shoulder too, and I was like, "Oh, that, mm. yeah, I don't <laughs> like seeing that." Brutal kill. That was probably like the only kill in the film where I was like, "Damn," you know. Yeah, I remember when they started having that like heartfelt speech. My first thought was, "Oh, she's gonna die in the next like thirty seconds." There's no okay. other reason why they would be doing this much exposition right now. You know, they're already going like we have five minutes left until the new kits, and then they're like. I've always loved you. I thought that we could make this work out. It's like you're, the only reason you're having yeah. this conversation oh, is because you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, I think it was um, n- nothing really surprised me uh, in this movie, which is totally fine. Like if you again, like it's a zombie heist movie. Like I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of twists and turns mm-hmm. uh, throughout this throughout this thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the ca- the cast was fun. It, the writing was a little you know, it's an action movie, you know, it's not, it's not built on its writing. Uh, I thought it was a little long. Two and a half hours is, a, a, was a bit much, uh, for this, but overall it was, 
it was enjoyable, I'd say. Yeah. You know, initially in the beginning, I almost thought like when I saw the runtime, I um I kind of was like uh, Brad when we were about to watch uh, the Four Hour Justice League, and he was just oh, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> "Oh no, 148 minute Zack Snyder film." And then when I started it, and by the time it ended, I was like, you know what? That didn't even feel like two hours. That it, it was it was enough uh, enough dumb fun in it to keep me engaged, where I wasn't really worried about the runtime. You know, yeah. but um, I mean, like, granted, I did put time out of a day to watch it because of the runtime. But yeah, yeah, I um, I feel like this is a nice spiritual sequel to uh, his uh, 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. I uh, I feel like this 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 ranks up there a little bit. Dawn of the Dead is better, but I like. Oh yeah, agreed. agreed. Yeah, I think, and one thing that I think Zack Snyder did a both did a great job with both films is the zombies are actually really kind of cool in this one. I, I don't think I'd ever seen zombies like as advanced as they were like, yeah, like, yes, they're like physically imposing and, you know, uh, you know, they look, uh, you know, pretty intimidating as well. But the fact that they were able to like organize themselves and like they had a leader and like, they, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost seemed like they had their own little like civilization, like in the city. Which I like. I never seen. I never seen that before. So I thought that was a cool thing to uh, to play around with. And you know, when he what he does uh, in Dawn of the Dead, that was the first time like I had really seen zombies like run in a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, normally you think of like the old like jo- George Romero ones, and they're just like these like slow things that are just like n- they don't seem that threatening at all. Yeah, a brisk pace, Dead, and right? you're able to outrun them. Yeah, as long as you just don't trip on anything, and you'll be fine. But <laughs> lo and behold, they always trip on something. Right. Speaking of Romero, I was going to recommend to you um, one of his films uh, is a film with the zombies are a little advanced. Uh, Land of the Dead. That's like one of his later ones with Dennis Hopper. Um, that's a pretty good one, too, if you want to check that out. Kind of like um, kind of deals with kind of like an army thing, too. And like one of the lead zombies is a little smarter than they than they take okay. him to be. Yeah, that's a good one. That's from like. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't seen that one. Thanks for the rest. Yeah, that's like 2005. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, I um, I like I like the the subplot about the zombies. The queen thing was, I was more interested in the tiger than I was the queen. If I'm gonna be honest. The queen thing yeah. was entirely Zack Snyder, with the whole like zombie yeah. love story kind of thing. Like as soon as that started up, I was like, yeah, we're in a Zack Snyder movie. This is totally up his alley of. What am I watching? This is so weird. <laughs> and then the zombie fetus thing, and like, there's. Oh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Look, I, I, like I said, when he when he is in his element, he he can do. He can't do. He can, he can do a little wrong, but he can't do that much wrong. He 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 can do most right when he's in the, when he when he's in his element. I just wish they would have used the tiger more because the tiger seemed like the most menacing thing when it was first introduced, like a zombie tiger. Like that is how did he get past that? And then all of a sudden it just, it doesn't become a problem the entire movie. I think that fight scene was kind of blocked a little, a little awkwardly between him and Garrett Dillahunt's character. Like it it was vicious and you know, it's kind of a death that where again, the audience is going to expect, want this because he's you know he's a, he's a two time they're a rooting for the death right but i feel like it was, it was a little drawn out a little bit I was, it looked a little awkward like you know like that bear scene from the revenant where the only like redeeming thing about that scene is that you feel like leo like you feel like you're actually fighting a bear like that one this one felt like it was filmed a little awkwardly maybe that maybe that's the cgi getting to me <laughs> yeah that scene did go a little bit long with him just kind of being beaten around for a bit. Uh, hey, we, know you're gonna, we know you're gonna die, man. Yeah. Just, just lay down. Yeah, he's not getting out of this. We already know that, and we already know that the satisfaction of his head crunching in is coming. Just just get to it. You don't have to, you know, play the same scene three times over of him getting knocked into a pillar or a car or something. So, it, it definitely there is some scenes that could have been cut down in this movie by far. Uh, the whole subplot with his daughter just did not work for me at all. Uh, she was she had just no reason to be mad. Yeah, 
she had no reason to be because because the moment you say, "Oh, I'm not mad at you because you shot mom or because you killed mom," I'm mad at you because you you left after that. I'm like, that's that's kind of a less that's kind of a more city reason to be mad at somebody other than the obvious fact that he killed your mom. Yeah, that's kind of an unnecessary reason to be mad. I <laughs> my favorite thing about that relationship was when. Like there's, they have that ongoing joke about like he's gonna start like a food truck or something like that after right. you know, this whole thing is over, and the first like the first time they mentioned it, I was like, all right, you know, that was like whatever. But then they brought it up a second time, and I just said to myself, like after they uh, the second monologue like, he did, like th- this is gonna come back, like he's gonna die, like I like he's gonna die at the end, and like his last dying words are gonna be like something about a food truck. And then, sure enough, we get to the end of the movie, like, he's dying, and he just goes, like, tofu burgers. We gotta make tofu burgers. <laughs> you can make anything like, with tofu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I knew it. How did I see that coming? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, like, I I understand her role in the story, because, uh, you know, it, it, everything was going seemingly fine with the actual heist part, and then, you know, because she went off and did her own thing. They had to go and save her. So it added, you know, to the story, but, but yeah, I mean, it it wasn't the, she she wasn't the best written character, uh, I think, but I I, I get it. You know, it was, it was a good effort. It was a nice, it was a nice symbolic ending to those two. Like, um, like, like from like a, like a morbid standpoint where he had to kill the mom because she turned to a zombie and she has to kill the dad because he's turning. Like that was a nice, sad symbolic ending. That gave me sucker punch vibes. Yeah, yeah, I that that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, overall yeah, though, what would you guys rate this one? I give a solid three. Out of, we're doing this out of five. Out of five, yeah. Um, yeah, like a two and a half or a three. I'd say it's it, it it's. I'm glad I watched it, and I now that I've seen it, I'm fine. <laughs> like I, yeah <laughs> like my my life is not neither better nor worse for seeing this movie but overall i mean like i said it was fun um it i think it served its purpose it was just a little long i think fun fun cast uh you know there's some there's some good humor in there some good action uh just too much of it in my opinion what do you what do you think brad i i've got to put this one probably at a three five uh because it, oh, it, it's a very fun movie this time around yeah, I'm generous on this one. Uh, it's a very fun movie, but I, I love campy kind of uh, zombie movies, which this falls in that court to me. Because you have a zombie tiger. You have a lot of interesting ideas, just not used as well as I would have liked. But the ideas are all there. Like, the team is great. The Some of the relationships, like uh, Ludwig and the one army dude, I love every scene that they're on screen together. And... So, uh, yeah, three five to me. I think that's a good score for this one. Okay, all right, all right. Moving on. All right, so the next one we got here is a Gunpowder Milkshake, directed by Navat Papusheto. Hope I'm saying that right. Um, so in this one here, we got um, we got Karen Gillian in the lead. She is a, a young assassin who. Um, has a relationship with, who has a strange relationship with her mother, played by uh, Lena Hurd, Lena Headey, Cersei from Game of Thrones, um, who is a, a hit woman, and you know Karen Gillian is obviously um, following in her mom's footsteps, and she's a hit woman, and um, so basically this deals with her being caught in a job where, you know, stuff goes left, and she has to protect this little young girl um, from other assassins. And she also runs into former assassin colleagues that used to work with her mother. Um, that's kind of the bare bones of what this film is. I I gotta say, this film right here kind of kind of it kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. It felt like Baby Driver Light meets Leon the Professional. It, to that's- me, it seemed like somebody had seen John Wick three in theaters. Like their friend pulled him into John Wick three. And they quickly wrote down what they thought that movie was about and then just turned in that as a script. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it follows the notes of John Wick 3. Definitely. Like, almost per- like, okay, we got to have a scene in a library. 
then we have to move to somebody running away. We have to have the scene where everybody like pulls out their phones because they get a message about like a new place to kill somebody. And then we have to have the person run off. And yeah, you know, it just it, it was John you, Wick three's plot just dumped got, down. And, and no, don't don't forget, you got to have these unsuspecting locations as meetups for uh, hitmen and uh, and assassins. Right. You got, yeah. you got a diner, and you got a uh, you got a library. Yeah, I listen. One thing I can't take away from this film is that it has great style. Like the neon style of this film is superb. It's just and the action is pretty cool. It's just the story. The story to me is very lackluster. But um, Connor, what did you think of this? Uh, it it was kind of like this like young adult. Quentin Tarantino knockoff. Like, I don't really know how else to describe <laughs> to describe it. Like it was like, like the concept is cool. I mean, it's, it's something like, I think we've seen before just, you know, done much better. Whole, yeah, exactly. Um, it, but you know, they, tr- you know, Anthony, you mentioned the style of it. Like, yeah, they, they tried really, really hard to make it look cool. Uh, but I think they did that often at the expense of the story. Um, you know, it was like I, I, I agree that like what they did with like the lighting and the neon and uh, just like the way they, uh, you know, blocked a lot of the fight scenes was uh, was pretty cool. But overall, like if and I know this is going to sound extremely morbid, but if somebody wasn't being brutally murdered on screen, I just didn't care about anything that was going on in the movie. Yeah, I just I think it was style over substance with the film like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. And you know Karen Karen Gillian Karen Gillan, who I like in the Jumanji films, I kind of felt she didn't sell me in the lead role in this. Like it kind of felt like she was kind of felt like she was in the wrong movie. This is bit. definitely the weakest role she's been in. She did not really bring me into her character at all. Uh, none of the people really did. They all their line reads seemed to be like they had to take it so seriously that there was nothing else like in their voice or in their tone or anything except this is super serious. Uh, one of the best scenes to kind of show that is when she first goes to the library and, you know, who's this girl that's in here right now? We shouldn't allow new members. You know the rules. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. You and you were yay. We knew you and you were yay high. Okay, come on, let's get past all the generic (laughs) BS. Come on. It's just every line just seems so, like the way that they read it, every character reads lines the same exact way, and it's always in that weird, serious, sarcastic tone almost. There were two cringeworthy lines that, like, I, I, I just, I couldn't really get over it. There was the scene where... Uh, there. Uh, with Angela, when Angela Bassett's character is like swearing in front of the kid or something like that, and she's like, "Don't say like f- fuck or something like that. Say fudge," and then she just goes, "Fudge you!" And then it's just two people yelling, "Fudge you!" back at each other. Like that was awful. That was a low point in Angela Bassett's otherwise awesome career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then near the end of the movie, <laughs> and then near the end of the movie, uh, when they're uh, Karen Gillan and the kid are sitting by the lake. Like she goes up and she sits down next to her and like it look it looks like it's gonna be this like really like nice scene. And just in like the toughest voice possible, she just goes like, I'm so sorry I killed your dad. Just like <laughs> just like Oh my god. Some of the dialogue in this movie is just uh, you wouldn't say that <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. It's it's terrible. It's it's terrible. I mean, like I I haven't seen Karen Gillan in that much. I haven't seen either of the new Jumanji movies. Uh, I think I've only seen her as Nebula uh, in, in the oh, MCU. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it, like, I thought she was... It, it wasn't her fault. The, oh, no. It, this it, is 100% the direction. I think it was a result of a poorly written script with some strange direction. Like, as far as all the action stuff goes, like, she was great. Like, she, she can handle the physicality of the role, you know, easily. Uh, but just she she just didn't really have anything to work with uh, from, you know, a writing perspective. I, I, I know how problematic this is going to sound because it seems like this is a very like, you know, girl power type of film, which, you know, there are better films that are like that. 
Um, but it felt like the one per the one actor in here that I felt like kind of sold a scene was Ralph Anderson when they're in the diner and he's sitting across from her and he's like, um, you know, he just gives this like very like tough guy monologue, like, you know, you killed my son and I'm going to let you suffer. And, you know, like he, he really sells that scene. And again, I'm thinking this is another actor that's kind of like in the wrong movie. Like, yeah. this, is, this, this, this is another like extraordinary talent that's in the wrong movie. I just feel like, and Michelle Yeoh didn't have that many lines. Like they told her to just stand there. And I'm like, that's a waste of Michelle Yeoh. Carla Dugino was was who she was. You know, I I feel like there was a waste of talent in this movie. Lena Headey was cool. She she was giving some, I think Lena Headey, the thing with her is she sells things off her facial expressions. Like she has nice comedic timing even with her micro expressions. Like I the one scene in the elevator where um uh, Karen Gillian, um, she Jillian. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. She accidentally throws the gun because her 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 arms are numb, and Lena kind of like like kind of like smiles. And she's like, uh, I, I know how to shoot. That was a mistake. She says, Sure, yeah, sure, I got you. Like it's it's the way Lena sells that line that makes it funnier than it should be. Yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, there there's a lot of kind of things that. Uh, like the action scenes like that one with them getting off the elevator and stuff like that or with the hospital and stuff it, there's good action scenes but then there's right. just very few good dialogue scenes surrounding them or even during them that kind of brings this movie down the most to me uh like the car chase scene that happens right after they get off the elevator that entire scene i just i was watching it and just going this is this is a bad movie like, this is just, this is bad. Like, there's nothing redeeming about this scene at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like, you know, I felt, the, I felt like this film, like Connor said about Army of the Dead. Like, I didn't, I didn't mind, I, I, I kind of was thankful that I watched Army of the Dead because I was like, that was a way better film than I expected to be. Gunpowder Milkshake was like, I saw it. It's not going to change my life for the better or worse. It's just, a, a bad film I saw once, <laughs> and that that's how I can you can mark that on my grave. Saw Gunpowder Milkshake once. <laughs> but what were you gonna say, Connor? I was gonna say. Uh, so going back to Anthony's point about uh, Lena Haiti, I think it's she's kind of in that uh, phase of her career now where she has to like shake off all the Game of Thrones stuff because yeah, like yeah. she played, uh, you know, her role as Cersei Lannister is a top five you know, villain of like TV villain of the last, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. So mm -hmm. she's, she's played this iconic character and because the show, you know, I don't know what you guys thought of the end of game of Thrones, but you know, the consensus seems to be that it wasn't the best at particularly the way that they wrapped up her character storyline. Mm -hmm. So because show bad last season, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was tough, but, <laughs> but st I, it sucks because that last season just completely negated what was, what seven seasons of really just a really good show. But anyway, yeah, so yeah, she's kind of yeah. like her and a lot of the other game of Thrones people are, uh, you know, going through something similar where they're trying to shake off, you know, the whole, like, I am not this one character from game of Thrones. Like I can do all, the, all this other stuff too. So it's cool to see her, uh, you know, take an action role and be a little more physical rather than just like standing in a room, like plotting all the time. So, it, I mean, it was cool to see her in that. It wasn't the best role in the world, granted. And, you know, I think the movie was what it was. But I think, you know, watching this movie and seeing the end result and knowing that the talent they have in there, I think for a lot of people in the movie, it was just this was just them like actors and filmmakers having fun uh, at the end of the day. So, I, you know, I don't want to knock the movie Probably. too, too bad. Like it wasn't it, I mean, it wasn't a great movie. I'm sure the director thought it was awesome. Uh, but the I think uh, probably a lot of the cast were just like, Oh yeah, like this seems fine for, you know, I'll, ju I'll just like, you know, grab my paycheck, kill a few people and then, <laughs> and then walk away. Uh, and you know, no, I mean, no one's career is going to suffer because of this movie. <laughs> so yeah. if, I, if you're hesitant to knock this movie, please don't, we, we, we knock movies here. Yeah. We'll, we'll bad. destroy a movie, tear it apart <laughs> limb from limb. We, we talked about that last airbender film that doesn't exist here once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we knock films here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, it's uh, not the worst movie I've ever seen. 
but the problem is like scene by scene i kept thinking oh this was done better in this this was done better in this you know like yeah. you have the scene in the library which is trying to mimic like the john wick uh three uh scene in the hotel and you're just like the john wick three did this much better then you have like the diner scene at the end of the movie and i could only think umbrella chronicle or umbrella academy did uh much better diner fight scene than this you know like every scene i kept thinking this was done better in something else like the scene with uh the car chase and stuff i was like baby driver did this better you know like every single part i was just going we could mash together just scenes of different movies and have a better movie (laughs) so so at the beginning i mentioned uh you know it felt like a tarantino knockoff and the reason being like there's so many parallels between this movie and things that happen in a lot of his other movies like for example you have all the stuff that takes place in the diner, you know, that goes back to Pulp Fiction. You have mm-hmm. uh, the thing where she can't use her hands for a little bit. That goes back to Kill Bill. Uh, mm-hmm. There And uh, the milkshake, that's another Pulp Fiction thing as well. And at one point, there's just like a random shot of like shadows walking out of like an underpass. And like that kind of gave me vibes of like the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. So like there, like there's all these like little Quentin Tarantino things throughout there that, I, and you know, the dialogue was... Nobody can do Quentin Tarantino dialogue unless it's Quentin Tarantino. It's, oh yeah, but every, every you know young filmmaker thinks there's, thinks there's, that they can. There's some good copycats so. over the years, but nobody can do it like Quentin. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, that that whole thing was just really distracting to me because like it's cool when like you like watch a movie and then you like think back on something and you're like, oh yeah, like that was kind of like that. But when I was watching, I was just like, okay, he's just ripping him off at this point. Yeah. The whole uh, the whole time I'm watching it because I know Bradley. Um, I'm sorry, Brad is such a big fan of Edgar Wright. I'm like, I can just picture him going, "Baby Driver did it. Baby Driver did it. <laughs> Baby Driver did it." You know, like I can just picture yeah. him going like that the whole time. Um, yeah, it's it's all right, man. It's not it's not the worst movie I ever seen either, but far from the best. Um, I'm I'm giving this a straight up. I'm giving this a two, man. This is a two. So I think you're being generous on this one. This is a one in my book. Oh, wow. You really didn't like it that much? It, it just, it. There, there's one scene that I absolutely love. And I don't like it for any reason that, you know, we've explained any part of the movie. But it's one part of the diner scene where I can't remember what character it is, but they're slamming somebody's face into a milkshake glass. Oh, yeah. And the CG on it is so bad that the milkshake glass just disappears and explodes into milkshake. And I want a gif of that that I can just watch on repeat all day long of just this milkshake glass disappearing and it just being milkshake, you know, like a blood splatter coming out of it. That face slam was probably very hard. That face slam was very hard, man. You don't know, man. The milkshake probably just it couldn't take it. <laughs> it went into I, I know I know the scene you're talking about and like I was look like I even because it was in such slow motion and everything yeah. about else about the movie was so shitty, like you can almost see something like really poor like poor CGI coming. So then, like, his head goes in there, and, like, obviously, like, when it bounces back up, it's, like, lodged, like, into his face. Oh, yeah, there's but, glass shards <laughs> in his face, but the rest of the milkshake glass is gone. Just completely oh, yeah. <laughs> evaporate. It went into another dimension. <laughs> I still just can't, I still can't believe that was Angela Bassett, too. I mean, it's just seem, it seems I, so yeah. beneath her, but at the same time, like I said before, this, this is probably just, you know, people having fun, uh, just... You know, I'm sure when they were pitched this years. movie, they were just like, oh, this is going to be a funny, kind of campy, you know, movie. And it just takes itself too seriously. Yeah. Like, the only one thing I could, like, take as a point of how seriously it took itself is the music used in this movie. Is imagine if they took some of the songs and they kind of swapped it out for something else like for the library scene instead of having that like uh where she puts on the headphones and they're playing this like slow dramatic i can't remember what song it was but i remember thinking this would have been so much yeah i wish they would have put something on here like girls just want to have fun and just made it (laughs) entirely can't like stop taking itself seriously at all and that scene, it would have been saved just by making that small change, in my opinion. 
Of course, that's just my opinion. I don't know how you guys would feel about that. But to me, just that small change would have made that scene go from, okay, this is boring, to, oh, this this is funny. I like this. The, um, the, the baby driver, I mean, the, I said baby driver. Uh, Angela Bassett being in this movie, like, I can see it coming off of American Horror Story. Like, you know, Ryan Murphy can be a little campy with his show, so... I, it didn't surprise me that she took this role because it seems like she's having more fun with the role she's taken in her um, later career. It's just that yeah, it was a disservice to her and a whole lot of other actors in this. I didn't mind the slow motion through the diner scene. I mean, that one milkshake thing is a big glaring issue. That's like a Irishman, uh, Robert De Niro long take where he's he's trying to stomp the guy's arm and De Niro looks uh, old. He's supposed to be a yeah. younger De Niro. Like That's like that one of, one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, but, um, I don't know what you're talking about. You That's think. my favorite scene in this entire movie. Just watching that milkshake glass disappear. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the the unedited footage of that scene because it's probably like a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because that was that was a very like slow, like that that is slow slow motion <laughs> that got drawn out over like a minute. So I bet the actual footage is like no more than three seconds. Yeah, I think that's one of those scenes that would have like done better if after they did the slowdown footage, if they did the scene like in the actual real time right afterwards, just showing everything just kind of happen at once. Yeah, because I, I love the kind of uh, I'm trying to think like Quicksilver in Days of Future Past where they show him doing everything in slow motion. Then afterwards, they show it all happen like immediately. I think that scene would have been a little bit better if they kind of did something like that afterwards. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then the whole like. Girl Scout cookie thing with um, I'm blanking on his name. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. What a dumb scene. Yeah. That scene was so dumb. Like it, nothing happened. It had no purpose. It just, you know, oh, you're, you know, if you don't tell people we're off limits, then we'll kill you. It's like I, I think he already kind of got that clue when you killed everybody that went after you five was, minutes that's, ago. That's, it's. Well, that it's not. It doesn't do anything for the movie because the movie was bad and it's not going to get a sequel. But that scene is definitely meant to set up the sequel. <laughs> oh, it's sequel. Yeah. Oh no, they are getting one. What? Like they're they're working on a sequel right now. Why? We're getting a gunpowder milkshake too. Yeah. Oh. Deadline. Deadline Hollywood. They said they're they're working on a sequel. We need to find a way to get red carpet passes to that movie. <laughs> I mean. We're part of the I mean, problem. The we we watched it, too. so we, <laughs> we, contri- we contributed to the issue. <laughs> this is true. We did watch it. I want red carpet passes to that movie. That That is my new goal with our show, is to get us red carpet passes to that one movie. Yeah, so there's, there's actually one more scene that I wanted to get, get your thoughts about. So the, the fight scene that takes place in that little hospital for criminals or whatever, the scene where the three goons are like, gassed up or whatever did that like they're like they're on like laughing gas or something like that and like they're in this fight scene but they're all just like kind of like like the whole time like that was the low point in the movie for me i was just like all right like there's no coming back from this like this whole sequence is stupid and it just didn't end it was like 20 minutes of just knowing they're they're gonna die and they just wouldn't die yet So that scene kind of changed my expectations with the movie a bit because I was like, oh, so this is going to be a little bit of a campy movie. It's just not hitting my humor right now, but maybe it will. And then it just stopped after that. It went back to being serious. It wasn't, yeah, it was just dumb. Yeah. Like I could see somebody going, oh, that was a funny scene. It it didn't tickle my humor at all, but it it just, I could see that scene as like the opening for me going, Oh, yeah, so this is going to be a little campy. It might not just be these jokes are landing on me, but hopefully something in the future. And then after that, yeah. it just went to being taking itself way too seriously. I'll say this, man. Um, the moment when it got to uh, when she finally linked back up with her mom and her, her mom, and I think the little girl, they all they all run to the library. And I'm thinking, OK, this is going to be the climactic fight. And I look at the runtime, like, that's how much I wanted this to end. I was looking at the <laughs> runtime. And it said, like, 37 minutes left. I'm like, 37 minutes? Like, this movie isn't over yet? And, like, after the climactic gunfight, I look at the runtime. 27 minutes left. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Man, like, these credits was... are going to be insanely long. How many people worked <laughs> right. on this movie? <laughs> 
Right. Connor, what's, but Connor, what's your grade on this? Uh, I'll go with the middle. I'll give it a one and a half. Uh, again, just not a good movie, Like, but at the same time, you can't take it too seriously. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone went into this expecting like Oscar gold or anything like that. Oh no. But I mean, but, but I mean, Jesus, this was, <laughs> this was rough at points. The, the action sequences were done really well, but the second people started talking is when the movie started to <laughs> suck. <laughs> See, if the action stopped being trying to be so serious, the action scenes are the highlight of this movie and the highlights of this movie are going, this movie did that better. This movie did right. that better. This movie did that better. Right. But yeah, no, it's solid one and a half for me. I uh, wouldn't recommend it, but again, I've, I, I have seen worse movies. Yeah. Well, the, the, the funny thing is the guy who directed this film, uh, Navat P, um, he co-directed actually like a good movie uh, in like 2013 called Big Bad Wolves. Um, it's the Israeli black comedy horror thriller. I would recommend that for y'all because that's a way better movie. But um, yeah, this movie, I don't know. It's like when certain directors switch over to American films, it's like they either make great movies or they just make bad movies. I, I never understood that when certain foreign directors like kind of cross over. You know what I mean? Like not everybody can be like a John Woo or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. So I guess if we're doing like a, uh, it doesn't even need to be a, a double feature versus it's, it's army of the dead hands down brad yeah i think army of the dead won this one uh there's the army of the dead isn't a perfect movie by any means but when you put it up against gunpowder milkshake i'll put army of the dead on repeat two times over before i'll watch gunpowder milkshake again <laughs> possibly watch army again my wife wants to watch it I'll, I'll show her i'll show it to her yeah army of the dead i can say because i want to they're working on a prequel which is going to actually be ludwig and uh doing like heists as the zombie apocalypse is starting and everybody's kind of scrambling to figure out what's going on so that kind of sounds a little interesting to me and I have more interest in seeing that than I do Gunpowder Milkshake 2. Although I still do want red carpet passes to Gunpowder Milkshake 2. <laughs> Come on, man. It'll be, it'll be a hate watch. It'll oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to see that in the theater with like the directors and everything as nothing lands, as everybody's just kind of going, I don't I don't know what we just watched. Was was that good? Is the movie? Oh, clap, 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 clap! I think the movie's over now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So basically, kind of this section of the show, we basically talk about anything we've watched recently. Um, well, I'll let you take the head. You watch any new films recently? Anything you've been uh, watching lately? Um, nothing new uh, over the last week or so. Um. It's it's been a video game week for me, so I've just been playing a lot of those. But this week, I watched I rewatched uh, Rocky IV uh, to prep myself for the Olympics. Never never a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Rocky Rocky IV is definitely my favorite Rocky movie. Um, I'm aware that it's not the best movie mm-hmm. in the world, but I, I I just love it so much. Uh, and then the other night, I watched um, oh boy, what is it? Uh, it's brad pitt movie it's on it's like brad pitt's like shitty boston movie uh i'm totally blanking on the name of it uh, the assassination uh, of jesse james no it's a it, same director though it's like uh, him, robert it's, ford yeah it's the same director it's like him james gandolfini's in it uh oh, Scoot killing Mary. Him yeah killing him softly that movie stinks <laughs> <laughs> really you don't like that movie it was like it was a little underwhelming it, some of the scenes were really well done. Like a lot of the act, like the scene where they, uh, you know, they, they're robbing the card game and like a lot of the action was done really, really well uh, on that movie. But like when it's just two people sitting around, mostly it was like, it was kind of a bummer. Cause like I had, I had watched it back when it first came out and I think I fell asleep like halfway through it or something like that. So I just didn't, uh, really get to enjoy the whole thing. And then watching it this time, it was kind of new to me. Um, 
but watching like James Gandolfini's character, he just doesn't have anything to do. Like he's he's burnt he, like, out. He, he's old. Yeah, like he's like it's he's incredible. Not him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a poorly written character. I mean, he does fine, but like he just like sits there and mopes about being drunk and you know getting with hookers and stuff like that. And it's just like like I don't know. He just didn't offer anything to the story. And like there's there's too much stuff going on like too many names being thrown around for all this like the story the story is a little convoluted for i think what's otherwise a really simple plot um but yeah i mean it was it was fine Uh, you know it's that i didn't i I didn't really i wouldn't say that i like it you know on a binary like it or didn't like it uh scale i'd probably say i didn't like it but uh definitely some cool things in there i love scoot mcnary he's one of my favorite uh character actors and it's one of his better roles but uh, yeah. Overall, movie, just little, yeah. Overall, overall, it's a little weak. Um, I'd say. I, I love the Gattolfini scene where him and Brad are sitting together in the restaurant, and uh, Gattolfini says to the waiter, "Like, hey, where do you get these olives from?" The waiter goes, "Like, what? What restaurant did you go to across the street to get these olives?" <laughs> and the guy says, they, they, "They're from the back room, sir." And it's just like I love how Gattolfini is just such a like he's just such a kind of a buzzkill to be around. And Brad Pitt's like, yo, I can't do the job with this guy. This guy is just he's he, he's he's a he's a live wire, like or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. Like, I mean, it's kind it's kind of like Gunpowder Milkshake. Like, you have this great cast, uh, but just everything falls apart to, outside nothing, of that. Yeah, yeah. But just nothing to do. Like, they just don't have enough to do. I guess. I just think, yeah. I mean, we 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 and we can talk about Kim softly uh, and kind of break that down another day. Um, what else you seeing? Uh, on uh, Netflix, I just finished. Uh, actually, just before I uh, hopped on the call here, I just finished uh, Wild Wild Country. Uh, it's a oh, that's a yeah, good doc- one. Yeah, yeah, a little documentary about this uh, cult. I guess, yeah, I guess you can call it a cult out in Oregon back in the eighties uh, that got involved in some shit. It is fascinating. Uh, I'll say that, yeah. but it is very long. Okay, okay. Brad, what have you uh, what you been watching? So I decided, because we did uh, Bill and Ted recently, I went back and I decided to watch Wayne's World again because oh, I just nice. kind of threw that on in the background uh, one day and I was... I, I ended up starting, like, going, oh, I'll throw this on in the background and then I eventually just turned all my attention back to that movie because it, it's just a fun movie. Uh you know the the jokes on that one land i love it and i sat down and watched the new space jam which was i heard that was actually good it wasn't as bad as i was expecting it to be but i think most of my enjoyment came from going oh i know that oh that's a cool reference oh i get that that's a good joke uh the the plot was basically the same as Space Jam though in as essence and it was a giant commercial for everything that Warner Brothers and DC owns more or less. So Oh wow. Or no. Yeah, it, I mean it was more or less what everything that AT&T owns <laughs> now. So I I haven't seen it yet but I the consensus seems to be that like you need you just have to keep reminding yourself that like it's a movie for kids. Yes. Like, because if you go into it and like, and you want to enjoy it as an adult, you're not going to. Although but, there are some things in there that like kids wouldn't get. Uh, like, I don't want to spoil it, but there are some like references to shows and stuff that no kid is gonna have seen. Or if a kid is watching it, they have terrible parents, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or parents that have no right. idea what their kids are watching. Uh, but yeah, it, it's very much, you had to go, oh yeah, this is supposed to be Space Jam for a new generation. This isn't made for, you know, I grew up with the original Space Jam. I should be watching this. This is Space Jam for kids today. All right. That makes me want to check it out because I, um, because I, I mean, I do like LeBron, but again, it's just kind of like, I mean, LeBron oh, he's, and Michael he's not a good actors. actor. I'm going to start off there. He did not get any I mean, good Michael, acting. Michael wasn't either, but yeah, I know, you know, like. <laughs> like they're, they're kind of just in it because they're the big they were the big basketball stars of their time mm-hmm. but um yeah all right all right i might check that out yeah i can say um, i ended up getting a few good chuckles out of it which is more than i expected uh i, I highly suggested it over gunpowder milkshake <laughs> that's high praise 
Yeah, that's extremely high praise. <laughs> <laughs> I um I recently went to the movies with my uh, with my wife, and um you know what? I was a little hesitant to go see this movie, but I think this man has a pattern now that I knew I was going to hit the jackpot with this. I saw M Night Shyamalan's Old. And, oh, how was that? Uh, it was actually a good Shyamalan film, man. Like I, I, in my head, I always say, "Look, man, this guy delivers good movie after bad movie after good movie. Last <laughs> movie was bad. This is bound to be good. Glass was bad. This is going to be good." And dude, it's it's a good movie. Um, if you've seen the trailers and stuff, you kind of know what it's about. People they go on this island, and you know, as time goes by, they, they kind of get older and older, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, it was a uh, dude. I think when M. Night Shyamalan goes into his weirder impulses like Split and makes like B-horror films, that's kind of like a good space for him because it allows him to be as weird as he wants to be. And Old worked really well as a kind of a, a WTF horror thriller, man. Like I would recommend it. And it starts off a little shaky at first because it's just classic M. Night Shyamalan, unusual dialogue, unusual offbeat characters, but it works within the environment he pushes them into. So no, no Marky Mark and sick trees and people killing themselves in this one. This is this is a good one. I love your your plot synopsis there. Just people get old and try to figure out what's going on. I mean, that's, right. I'm pretty sure that's what it says on IMDb. I think that's the two sentences there. It's like that. I mean, that, that's pretty much something everybody can relate to. We're all getting older, just trying to figure stuff out. Right, the metaphor of life. Yeah, I remember yeah. Brad commented under my uh, status when I was talking about it. He was like, oh, so this was good Shyamalan? And I, I stopped myself because I was going to respond like, yeah, he gave good Shyamalan. He, he gave good Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, this, is, this is good Shyamalan, man. Yeah, because I know good. we've I talked about that one prior when it comes to his movies and everything. So yeah, when you were like, oh yeah, this was good. It was like, but was it good though? <laughs> Is it good for him or was it good? Yeah. Like I told him like, look, man, if this turns out, if this is good, then I'm going to just talk about it on the show. If it's bad, we got to do a double feature with this and the happening. I'm, I really hope this is good. Cause I don't want to waste my AMC a list on a bad movie. <laughs> it's funny. Like his career is so interesting to me because as like, he's such a polarizing filmmaker because like, yeah. He's made a lot of bad movies over the years, and like I, you know, you could say like over the last like decade, he's made a lot more bad ones than good ones. Mm-hmm. But he just he keeps getting to do stuff, <laughs> and you know, eventually he's going to hit on something. And uh, from all the from a lot of the reviews I've read about old so far, the consensus seems to be that it's the best thing he's done in a while. But yeah, but no, that's that, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm I I kind of want to go check that one out. Yeah. Well, the reason yeah, he it, keeps getting movies is the budgets on his movies. He's literally going, yeah, can I have like $20 million for this movie? And some studios like $20 million on a gamble for Shyamalan? Yeah, we'll put in $20 million. We just put in $500 million into this thing that we don't even know what's going to happen to it. You know, $20 million on a gamble is nothing. It, it, it really sense. isn't. But it's like... The thing that makes him so polarizing to me is because, like, near the beginning of his career, his his track record was, like, so immaculate. You had, like, mm-hmm. Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Village, Signs. And then somewhere when it was Lady in the Water of some rundown apartment in the middle of nowhere came out, then that's when it started to tank. But, yeah, you had, like, Lady in the Water and The Happening and Airbender and... uh was the Airbender. Yeah. I did, <laughs> he, did, uh, he did Split, right? He that did split. Yeah, that, that was that his was... first. That was the one that everybody was like, "Oh, it's another Shyamalan movie." And then people were going out of the theater going, "That was a good movie." And everybody else, yeah. I was like, "The one directed by Shyamalan? Like, what? Did we change the definition of good? What? What's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> the visit was pretty solid too. Visit was good. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much what I've seen. Uh, all right, does that clock it out for us, Brad? I think that clocks it out. All right, before we go, Connor, thank you so much for joining. If you want to uh, throw your plug back out there one more. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. This was a, this was a grand old time. Uh, but yeah, again, the show uh, the show is called Quarantinema. 
Uh, it's the word quarantine with M.A. on the end on the end of it. Uh, uh, yeah, we got episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday now. So give it a listen. Yeah, definitely give it a listen. You know, um, as you can tell by this episode, Connor has a very unique, humorous voice for podcasts. And uh, it's very humorous to hear him go over uh, movies he's rewatching. Like I listened to one of your recent episodes on Independence Day. That was pretty funny. That movie sucks, but it's awesome. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> it's a staple case movie. Case in point, folks. Yeah. Case in point. All right, y'all. This has been another uh, good episode of Double Feature. Uh, y'all take it easy.